I've always thought the term freedom was kind of funny. I thought, here's this, here's this word that we, I think probably most people would use to define America, right? American freedom, American freedom. I'm, I'm, you know, proud to be an American, a free country, freedom, freedom, freedom. It's everywhere. And I, I think it's kind of funny because, you know, we use freedom to express in our own lives what we're free to do. And, you know, in the context, for example, of cars. I love the freedom of being to get in, being able to get in my car and drive wherever I want to go, even though wherever you usually go is like the grocery store and, and uh, you know, your work and your daycare and stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's really funny when people talk about cars and freedom. It's like, I can go wherever I want. Well, yeah, but you usually go to the same seven places. <laughs> so that's kind of the funny part. Um, you know, but, you know, another person might say, you know, I feel when I, when I ride my bike, I, I'm, I'm, I'm free from the shackles of a car. I might say that, right? But, you know, uh, at the same time, I don't have the freedom to go more than, you know, 10 miles without breaking a complete sweat and, um, you know, and, and, and taking a lot of time. I mean, 10 miles is going to, you know, take me, what, 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. I don't know, whatever. Um, so, you know, freedom is this, is this word we kind of use to express just what we like you know, freedom, I have the freedom to do this. I like the freedom to do that. Really what we're saying is basically I can do whatever the heck I want. <laughs> and we're substituting freedom for I want. And, you know, so freedom is, is a really interesting word for me. And, and freedom is something when I talk about the automobile, when I talk about cars, you know, I hear over and over again, well, I want, you know, the, my car gives me freedom. It gives me the freedom to go where I want to go. And I get that. I understand that. Uh, my car is also a piece of freedom. It's very privileged freedom. I'm very happy to have a car. Um, it's not much. It's a. It's kind of beat up. It's more of a kind of mobile storage unit. I just throw all my bikes and stuff like that in there, or some of them at least, but I'm not using them. All my skateboards and this and that, and, and my car ends up being a complete disaster because I drive so rarely. It's just not a priority of mine. Um, you know, it just kind of gets me to where I need to go when I can't use another form of transportation. It's my last line, literally, of transportation defense, right? <clears throat> so for me, freedom is a very different thing. It's a very different concept. I like to say I am free from the shackles of having to feel like I have to drive everywhere. I can make other choices. I can take a bus, a skateboard, an electric skateboard, a scooter, an electric scooter, uh, and one of mm, six or seven or eight bikes. And uh, that sounds, I mean, I get it. I, that, that's, that's more my obsession than it is a practical thing. But uh, I could take Uber and Lyft too. Um, you know, that's another option that's, that's, that's great. Um, it's actually not great, but it is another option. Let's, let's say that and let's not get into that right now. But so, <clears throat> you know, I think it's interesting that the definition of freedom in this country has changed. 
uh, or is changing, is in the process of changing. Because for 70 years or so, the automobile represented freedom. Getting your license as a kid represented freedom, right? That was your freedom to go wherever you wanted. You could get away from your parents. You could, you know, you could really just start opening the doors to the to the world uh, outside, you know, your your front and backyard or your friend's house or your 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 parents maybe maybe you know maybe you're a little different from your parents and you just want to get away you want to start you know creating your own doing your own thing teenager stuff right the the car represented that that first step to freedom and you know it did for a long time it was marketed as that you know is is this is your freedom this is your ticket to to grow up and start moving around and seeing things on your own and uh so it's really interesting now because that 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 idea of freedom is changing. Um, AAA says that the average American now will spend over eight hundred dollars a month on transportation, and most of that is a car. We have SUVs now instead of cars. SUVs are outselling cars and have for several years now. Um, you know, it, it's. The the car has become the, the the American automobile has become a prohibit almost a prohibitive expense, but it's one that we make anyway. So many of us make anyway because we th- we think we have to, and we have to get the big car because we want to stay safe. What that really means is we want we want to get the bigger car because other people have bigger cars and they're gonna then they're gonna hit us with their bigger cars and we're gonna be the ones that die. <laughs> we're gonna be the ones that get injured. No, I want a bigger car to protect me from the other bigger cars. That's ridiculous. But that's a, that's a side note. I want to talk exclusively about what it means to own. Because it's really interesting. Up till now, up till about maybe 10, 15 years ago, the idea of owning a car, the idea of owning a house, these were considered pieces of freedom. These were considered a way to kind of live the way you want to live. But... All of a sudden, things started changing. Rental properties started becoming a thing. And a lot of this was, was the, the recession. Um, more people were renting. And even now in our cities, apartment, apartments are being built where they weren't for 20 years. Apartments are being built in our cities for the first time in a very long time. We have to understand, everyone says, well, there's no affordable housing in my city. There's no affordable housing. Everything that's new that's being built is, is, uh, you know, is a, is a, is a luxury high rise, right? It's a luxury or uh, luxury apartments or luxury lofts, right? That's the big thing. Luxury lofts. I can't afford those. I can't afford those. And where's the affordable housing? Who's building affordable housing? Nobody builds affordable housing. The only way people are going to build affordable housing is through subsidies, through government subsidies. That's it. That's the only way. Here's why. If you can make a whole bunch of money on these places, and in the case of my home city of Rochester, for example, um, you know they're building these luxury apartments and they are selling like hotcakes or they're renting like hotcakes, I should say. Okay, these, pla- these places have waiting lists. So people are out there renting them. Don't think that these places are going up and then, and then staying empty. They're not. People want this high-end uh, apartment life. 
Okay, the reason we don't have any reasonably priced housing or, or rental property, at least, uh, in our cities is because we simply didn't build apartments for 20, 25 years in our cities. Our cities were stagnant. They stopped being places where people lived. We started seeing our cities one-dimensionally, not as places we live, but places that occasionally we went to get you know, our entertainment on, right? So imagine this. Imagine if for 20, 25 years, we didn't make any new cars. So 25 years from now, we want to buy a car. Guess what? There's no used cars. There's no affordable cars. Everything you buy is new. And nobody's going to make... You know, when when the when the average car price, let's say it's now is you know is let's say you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars, nobody's going to purposely make a five thousand dollar car because they're just not going to make that much money out of it. They can't make enough. The, the cost is prohibitive to, to to make one. You can't. So that's why apartments cost so much. But I'm I'm getting on a tangent here. My point is, you know. Uh, people are choosing apartment living again, even if it is expensive, even if it isn't an investment. More and more teens, uh, or, uh, rather, I should say the age at which uh, young people acquire a license is getting older and older and older and older. So instead of getting your license at 16, 18, now it's like closer to 19, 20. And the number of young people who are not acquiring licenses is increasing. So whatever happened to that idea of freedom through ownership, freedom through the ownership of a car, freedom through the ownership of a home. And the home is a little bit different because we're still seeing strong home. It's still, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but it's still considered a very good investment. What happened? Why, why all of a sudden are we kind of moving, you know, away? I want to say away, or why, why is the, the popularity of renting? Why is the popularity of not owning a car? Why are these things becoming more attractive now? Where they were seen as, as vehicles to freedom, now it's not so much. Now people are kind of kind of quietly stepping away from these these kind of icons of traditional American freedom. I'm going to talk a little more bit more about this on the other side of the break. I'll be right back. Freedom is really, really changing. And, uh, you know, on, on a side issue with this, I can't, I can't stand, <laughs> I, I hate it when people are constantly saying, oh, the young people, this next generation, they've got, they, they're totally screwed. They, they're, you know, they're screwing us over. They, they have no idea. They're, they're, they're not grateful and they're whiny and they're complaining. It's like, Every older generation has said this about every younger generation. So stop. 
Let's stop. Let's just stop right there. I, I won't hear that anymore. Now, the boomers said that about Gen X. Gen X said that about millennials. Millennials are saying that about whatever the heck the next generation is. I don't know. It's just different. They just want slightly different things. Eventually, they kind of blend that in with, you know, if, if first there's this kind of extremism and then they kind of wind back a little bit the other direction. That's typically how it goes. You know, every generation finds their way. But change is happening faster than it ever has, especially changing technology. We have smartphones now, and smartphones are extremely attractive devices. Extremely attractive. You know, I, I, I love my smartphone. Let me, let me tell you something about, you know, anybody who thinks that their phone is a constant distraction. I feel very grateful that I've had the opportunity to build the Urban Phoenix. You know, the Urban Phoenix has been viewed m more than a half million times. I'm running a podcast now that is seeing exponential growth with every week. And, you know, this isn't me. It's that people are connecting with this idea that I just happened to relay. I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad to be able to distribute the message. If I can be a little part of that, well, that's, that's awesome. That's great. I'm very, very excited. And, and this has become a passion for me. It's something I'm very passionate about. I'm very proud of that. And the cool thing about this is that I do probably 80% of the Urban Phoenix work that I do, which is anything from writing to organizing to emailing to creating contacts, setting up context, contacts, setting up interviews, uh, you know, buying Amtrak tickets to go across the state to visit other. Almost everything I do for the Urban Phoenix happens on my phone. And I'm an extremely disorganized person. So when I have all of those things available to me in one place, when I can write and publish and record and schedule and buy tickets and, uh, you know, look up directions and whatever, if I can do that in one place, wow, that, that, that's everything for me. As a scatterbrained person as I am, that is everything for me. This doesn't happen. I am not talking to you right now without my phone. Literally, I'm actually recording this into my phone. There's an app called Anchor that's fabulous that I, I, I totally believe in that allows me to do this kind of guerrilla style podcasting without sitting in a studio, without, you know, prepping or whatever. It just allows me to kind of record when I have a thought or interview when I meet a cool person. And that's only one piece of it. Smartphones are amazing. They allow us to be tremendously productive. They also allow us to have some fun and blow off steam and play games. Okay? We've always done these things. We've always been productive and we've always wanted to have fun. We just do it in a different way now. And the younger you get, the more young people want to do this. They want to do what I'm doing right now. They want to do something cool. They want to do something that, you know, that, that makes them feel like they're, they're doing something. They're being heard. We, we, that's, that's all of us. <laughs> we just want to be heard, right? We just want to have fun. We, we, we want to have a good time. We want to, we want to feel like we're doing something that's making a difference and it's important. We want to, you know, anyway, none of this stuff is new. So the smartphone, I think, has really, really, really changed the idea of freedom for us. 
The idea of freedom now is to be able to use our phones. It's not necessarily to be able to go wherever we want to go. It's to be able to use our phones. And there's a lot of other reasons the definition for freedom has changed. But we realize that we like being connected. And I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but, you know, this is most of the world has smartphones and most of the world likes smartphones. Okay, we don't have, we don't just own these $1,000 pieces of equipment because, uh, uh, you know, because we have to, most of us. So the idea of freedom now is to be on your phone, is to be productive or do whatever you want to do. Do the 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 things you do on your phone at any time. So suddenly the car becomes the one place, the one place that you absolutely cannot do that. Literally, legally, you can't do that in a car. People do it anyway, which is stupid, but you can't do that in a car. You cannot use your phone in a car. So suddenly the thing that we thought gave us freedom or did give us freedom for a long time kind of took a back seat to the new thing that gives us freedom. It gives us freedom to be fun-seeking, productive humans on a different scale, in a different way. The automobile is no longer the engine for freedom the smartphone is. Digital technology is. Virtual reality is. Our ability to be productive on the go is. And the car becomes the one place where we can't do that. Uber, Lyft, huge, huge beneficiaries of this new construct. Public transportation now is at the forefront of so many community projects. And, you know, we can talk about the reasons for that. But really a huge piece of that is the cell phone. Right? I also do believe that, you know, when we talk about freedom, I, I think there's, I have this theory that, uh, and somebody brought this up and I, I kind of explored this more. I think it's really interesting. There is my generation, I'm 38 years old and we are known as the beginning of the backseat generation. The generation that was driven more than any other generation before it. So we were driven along, around in cars more than any other generation. It was really, my generation was really the start of travel sports, right? We, that we, it, it was, you know, it was this thing where, you know, coming home at six o'clock for dinner wasn't the thing. It was, okay, I'm going to take the kids to, you know, soccer practice. Then we're going to go to music lessons. Then we're going to come home at nine o'clock. Then we're going to have dinner. Then we're going to uh, do homework. <laughs> I know families like this. It, it drives me nuts. Um, but I get it. I get it. I'm not judging families. I don't have kids. It's not really my right to judge. Anyway, so I'm going to backtrack on that. But my generation was driven more than any other generation before. And the generations that are coming now are being driven probably far more than that, right? And at the same time, this is the time when we've seen the most traffic congestion on our roads than at any other time. During my generation, I remember when the word road rage came out. And people started realizing that this is this is a real thing. People were just snapping on the roads. And they still do. And just going nuts. 
raging on people. We were in the back seat, the back seat witness to our parents navigating the most infuriating traffic. The, you know, our congested roads, our, our you know, our long uh, commutes, you know, suddenly, you know, what generations before had spent, you know, evenings at the dinner table discussing a day. Now we kind of sort of discuss the day or, or listen to headphones or whatever on our way to soccer practice. It's not a pleasant experience. It, the, the, the freedom piece became, you know, I think I know a lot of people in my generation who associated being in the backseat of a car with being in a frustrating situation, seeing their parents at a time when they were most frustrated. You can feel that energy, right? When you're in the car with somebody that's really driving, is really pissed off. It's not fun. So we sat in the back seat for the most amount of time before any other generation before us at a time when our, our parents were the most frustrated or the most angry, road raging all the way, right? So that, that's another, I think, piece of, of, of kind of the, the changing opinion of what freedom is. You know, when, when, when transportation becomes maddening, that's, that's not freedom. And look, public transportation can be maddening too. But you know what? I can still pop my headphones, listen to music, and write, and go on Facebook, and go on Twitter, and create something, get work done. Um, you know, for me personally, it's, you know, I can go on my phone and, believe it or not, and edit photos for my photo shoots. I run a photography company. And my phone sends all those edits that I do to my desktop computer and I can export it from there. I can be tremendously productive on the go. I could also have a lot of fun on the go. So I can tune out, uh, you know, whatever insanity is going on around me, uh, you know, in, in public, uh, if I'm riding public transit. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and stay productive. I can't do that in a car. I've got to face reality in the car, the reality of frustration in the car. Now, on a bike, true, I can't be on my cell phone, but there's a different freedom. There's a different feeling of freedom there that I don't think people can appreciate unless they do it a lot. So I think there's something else going on there. But in any event, the idea of transportation freedom is changing. The idea of home ownership is changing as well. Is because... I think it's because families are are oppressed more than they ever have been before, both physically, psychologically, whatever. You know, owning a home is not what it used to be because, you know, both parents are working. Kids are going to daycare. That's one more stop that you have to make on the way home. You got to stop, get your kids. You got to go to the grocery store. Then you come home. Then you got to mow the lawn. Then you got, you know, the, 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 the responsibilities of home ownership now have to compete with a million other new responsibilities that I don't think we even realize we've undertaken as a society. You know, so when you're gassed at the end of a day and you still have to come home and clean the gutters and uh, mow the lawn and do all the home ownership things, that's tough. That's hard. It's harder than ever for Americans to do that now. So there's this kind of 
feeling, I think now that, you know, maybe that's not for me or maybe it's for me, but maybe later on. You know, people are waiting longer and longer to buy a home. Maybe it's that feeling like, hey, I don't want to get into that right now. That's, that's a lot of responsibility on top of other responsibilities that my grandparents didn't have to incur. Life was simpler. Let me say this. Life was simpler for middle class people. <laughs> I'm not ever going to say life is simpler for poor people. That's a complete insult for me to say. But for the middle class family and upper middle class families, you know, life is, is a whirlwind. It's a self-imposed whirlwind now if you want to try to live that same life your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents lived. The white picket fence in the suburbs. I believe that wholeheartedly. So suddenly, the freedom of homeownership isn't what it used to be. Because now your home, you're not there as much. You're not in your home as much anymore. So that's one thing. It doesn't give you the benefit that it used to. The sheer benefit of hours you spend in the place per day. It's just not there. There are so many other meal options now that cooking is not as important. So your kitchen isn't as important. And again, painting with a broad brush here, but this is a trend. This is where America is going. You're going to have more meals on the road than you are at home for a lot of families, for maybe most families. Okay, so the home just doesn't have the value that it used to. And when it doesn't have that value, that feeling of freedom, it now becomes a burden of responsibility. And it's not that the next generation is is adverse to responsibility. It's that, it, you know, any generation is going to look at a construct and say, is this a thing of value for me? Is this a value-added addition to my life to buy a home and maintain it when I have, you know, two jobs and my wife has a job and we have, you know, two kids and, you know, whatever. And, you know, we're trying to run around and, and make all this kind of work out together. Do I really want to have the responsibilities that I don't have now living in an apartment? It's something to consider. The idea of freedom is changing in our country, and we have to be aware of that. It is not a lack of an appreciation for responsibility. It is a realization that life is different for middle class and upper middle class families. Life is different. It is shifting, and I believe it's more stressful and difficult than it ever has been. We are in a time of accelerating change. We have to stop attributing the same constructs, the same attitudes to a changing world. Let's listen to the young people. Let's see why they're making the decisions they're making. Because they're not making them because they're lazy. Every generation has made different choices. This generation is making very different choices. Why is that? Let's look at that. Let's not criticize it. Let's learn from it and figure out how to accommodate it. That's what we do here in America. At least that's what we did. 
Let's do it again. Let's listen to our young people, to our younger generations and say, hey, you know what? We need to make a change. We need to change our minds about what's happening in our country. We need to change our minds about what freedom is because it's different to us than it is to them. That's very, very important. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope this stirred up some some interesting conversation in your own head. Talk to you soon. Have a great day.